Welcome everyone, this is episode three of Not A Typical Accountant and we have another guest for you. I have Lucy McKenna here with me who is a new partner at Moore Australia. So Lucy, firstly, congratulations. It's a big step in your career, um, well done. Thank you very much. Um, now, we were talking offline and you did say that you think you are the typical <laughs> accountant. So today might be a bit interesting. Um, we'll see where we get to, because I don't think you are, but um, I guess from your perspective, maybe everything's normal and you fit the stereotype. Uh, what I want to do though is go right back to the start. Mm -hmm. You weren't born in Australia, so take me through a little bit of that journey. So for our listeners out there, um, let us know where you were born, um, I guess the language that you spoke at mm -hmm. home and, and where English fit into that. Um, and then we might jump into how you came to Australia. Sure, happy to. Um, to be honest, it's I was very little, so a lot of this is what I've heard through parents, grandparents and yep. the like, so I don't have a lot of memories, but I was born in a town called Liberets in the Czech Republic, which is for those playing at home, sort of one hour and a bit north of Prague. Right. Um, yep. But it, it is quite a big town and to be honest, I've gone back a lot in my adult life and over the years I've actually seen it grow, um, which is very exciting. It's becoming a little bit Melbourne-esque. It's got cafes and some hipsters <laughs> and it's, uh, it's changing, which is exciting. So I've actually enjoyed that. But yeah, born there um, and my parents, when I was two years old, packed up in the middle of the night with a suitcase and a two-year-old and fled. Um, due to communism. Um, so they crossed the border and they actually um, ended up in Vienna, in Austria, right. okay. to wait for the visa to come to Australia. During those times, you had to have sort of sponsorship and so they knew families here in Melbourne, so they applied for that. But that little crossing over into Austria was a little bit naughty at the time and it actually caused, and I've only found this out in my adult life, but I've found that um, they lost a lot of, well, my grandparents lost a lot of friends and respect in the community because they were seen to have, uh, kids have done something quite right. naughty, yep. um, which I didn't actually appreciate until sort of later in life, quite the big sacrifice that they made. So yeah, spoke Czech, then spoke German as a result of living in Austria. So I had those two languages as a child. Wow. And then we were, I was about five years old when we came to Australia and then got thrown straight into prep, <laughs> not speaking a word of English. And my grandma, yeah, tells me the stories of coming home from school. So she came and stayed with us while my parents, and this was once it was all fine yep. and, and they were allowed to. So she came and lived with us. And she tells me the stories of me coming home quite upset because I was so confused. I didn't know what language. Apparently I tried the German thing that didn't work and then I tried the Czech thing and yep. that didn't work um, and it took me a little while and then English became sort of that second language. So at home I spoke Czech purely for grandma and my parents as well, but then English at school. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about that. I was going to say that is uh, <laughs> quite an interesting journey and I know Zed, you're very young at the time, so mm. I think you consider your parents as being first generation immigrants. Mm. You're not real because you weren't born here. You're not second generation. You're kind of that in between yeah. coming as, as a young child, um, which um, I think we've got quite a few in our firm that mm. have that similar background. Um, very, very interesting. Did Was there much of a Czech community in Melbourne? 
Not or? really. So it is quite small and I have in over the sort of last 10 years or so sort of reflect on that and thought out of all the other, I've got a lot of friends who've got similar backgrounds and there seems to be a lot of stronger community feels in some of the other cultures. Whereas Czech, yeah, when I was little, we did go to a place in Collingwood and that had, it was like the social club. Yeah. Um, I, I did find that a bit boring. There was only a couple of kids my age. Um, and then I sort of didn't keep her going when I was an adult. And I probably should have in, in hindsight, but yeah, our community is quite small. It's not like we have a national festival here or, yeah. you know, that the town or the suburb that's known for having that kind of culture. Um, so it is a little bit sad in that sense, but um, yeah, it's still nice. I do have some friends and, and yeah. So you're very much the tradition thrown home. into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Not really, no, or I'm assuming not really speaking English at all until you, no, until you came here. That's so right. So straight into school, having to deal with all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's a big, big thing, no yeah. doubt. I think it's hard enough um, for me, I, I know that like my background, I was, I was born here, so it was English from day one, um, and I couldn't speak Mandarin. And going to Chinese school, I was struggling there, but you've gone the other way where yeah. every day you've had to deal with it, and that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's in some way prepared you for life later on, right. being, being quite resilient. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, do you think that that experience of, notwithstanding you may not remember all of it, mm coming to Australia, a bit of what sounds like um, hardship mm. to, to get here, has, how has that impacted you and mm. growing up and maybe the person that you've kind of become? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I have thought about it. I think it's more from the perspective of, so we, my parents were quite strict on me um, and I do have some early childhood memories of them always working and always yeah. not being around. Um, and not really, we didn't have a lot of time together as a family. And then the time that we did have, I always remembered dad always drilling me to study yeah. and, and yep. to, um, yeah, be successful. So dad was always, if you, if you don't, didn't get good marks or if I didn't do well at school, I was always in trouble. <laughs> um, yep. So I think, yeah, there's, there's a fair bit of that. Um, and I think the reminder, you know, any opportunity they got when, especially when I was a teenager and maybe if I did some things, they always threw the whole, don't forget how much we sacrificed for you. And you know, this is all for you. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that going on. But I think the other thing was we always made a point of going back and I think, and I always made a point of learning a little bit about, um, you know, what their journey and what they mm. went through and why they did it and the importance of everything. But then it's been nice to also watch it change over there and um, reconnect with family. And so I make a point of catching up with my cousins a lot and I like to hear there's always that curiosity of, you know, I got taken away and I got thrown into this life. Yep. It wasn't really my choice. What would my life have turned out if, if I had stayed. Have stayed yeah. and done studies there or pursued a career there? And then so I, I always sort of, that that's a little bit of something that I've thought about over the years as well. And if you'd say that may not have become an accountant, perhaps? I don't know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I've given that some thought too, to be honest. Um, Probably not. There's, um, I don't know, there's a different, I think in the town itself, there wouldn't have been opportunities. So I probably yeah. would have had to have done what a lot of other people have done. And that's usually to go to Prague, 
if you want sort of an opportunity mm. um sort of a bigger role or bigger pay or whatever it could be it's always you go to Prague to do that I've got a cousin who's a doctor and you know he's in Prague um so I, yeah I don't know but the town itself even though it's relatively big and it's it's quite a big community it still has that real sort of homely small town vibe yeah so yeah I really don't know what I would have done <laughs> I think and, and this might be a very stereotypical typical maybe controversial take on this <laughs> is that for immigrant families who come here study is, oh, like you said study is such a big thing mm. that I think you almost forced a little bit into into um, going to uni mm. absolutely that's that's something that I think a lot of immigrant families push their kids to do mm-hmm. um, and try and find some kind of job that's probably easier to an extent than, than what your parents have, have had to deal with yeah. coming to Australia. I think that that's that's a key thing that they try and push. The study is a big thing. Um, was study something that came naturally to you? Yeah, um, it actually did. So I think because um, homework and being at home and studying was drilled into me. And then yeah. I think we are quite a culture where you, you have to show a lot of respect for your elders and or people in sort of an authority power. So teachers, you know, you worship the ground they walk on, especially, you know, there. And my mum shared some stories of of her time at school there too. Um, So I think coming here, you know, I was very, very good at school. I did, you know, I respected the teachers, was a little bit of a child, you know, that student teacher pet thing um you know always wanted i was about to ask marks. that question yeah <laughs> yeah so you know teachers liked me and i had a you know they they thought i was a good kid and you know they thought i was good um so yeah i really applied myself at school um and really tried hard um yeah so i think that's come i think from the background that i'm in and then the yeah the parents sort of putting a little bit of extra pressure yeah. and reminding me of the importance of what study means and yeah. if i wanted to have a good job and if i you know wanted to go to uni not that i think i had a choice uh, i think they want, <laughs> wanted me to go to uni reminded me that that was you know what we we were all aiming for yeah. so i think that kind of forced me into it but i, yeah. I did like it so and I think that's, that's definitely a big thing um, and it probably shows how much your childhood and even your families impact you and then potentially the decisions you make and just how you are um, personally and then how you, I guess you perform at work a little bit mm. and what your personality is and how that comes across. The the one thing um, that a couple of us here have talked about as you were getting, getting promoted is the type of person you are and the personality that you have mm. and you present really well. Um, people really like you you're a, you're a big people person um, uh, some of the things that I think are qualities that probably stereotypically aren't a typical accountant mm. like like to keep to themselves a little bit more conservative um, love the detail although you're, you're obviously very good at studying so you've, you've done that well <laughs> was that natural that kind of extroverted more extroverted type qualities yeah um, do you think you're an extrovert? Does that how, how, did, how did that all come about? No, that's an interesting question. No, so I'm not. I am quite. Um, I was a shy kid. Um, I was. Intro- I, I would say I am still introverted. Um, I was an only child, so I, you know, I had to do a lot of just entertaining myself. So yep. there's memories of you know trying to play board games by myself and having to sort of pretend I had an opponent because I had no one to play with 
I know I did a lot of talking to myself and a lot of that sort of thing. Um, I didn't have a lot of, I don't remember having a lot of friends as like a young kid. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, as you get a bit older and you sort of realise, you know, especially at sort of high school and uni, like having a network around you is really important, having people to bounce ideas off. Um, so, you know, I think as I got a bit older and as situations changed, you know, I did become a little bit more outspoken. I could see the value that that brought. Um, but, you know, public speaking and all that sort of stuff, I still don't, wouldn't say it comes naturally, but I think you sort of learn in life networking and having, you know, great connections with people actually does make a huge difference. So, um, yeah, I would say I've changed. And in, even early in my career, I realised the dealing with the client side, I found that just so much more, and I guess, enjoyable. And I found I was actually quite good at it, surprisingly, even though I was a little bit shy. And I could have easily been just that accountant in the background, just doing <laughs> the work and not really interacting. But yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know how it changed or when it changed, but it did. And I'm glad it did. And I do enjoy the people element of it. Yeah. So. And I think that's a great story because there's a lot of people who I think join the accounting profession or do commerce or business or whatever it is at uni. And, and I've heard them in the past say, look, I'm quite introverted. I don't, how do you get over that hump? Even though, you know, if I, I like having conversations, but I don't have the confidence to do that. And, and sometimes you do need to step out of your comfort zone, like you said. Mm. And I think you found a way where um, certainly when you present, it never comes off like you're nervous at all. You've got a great way of presenting. It seems very natural. Um, it looks like you're always having fun up there and, and being able to do it and you're very confident. So it's a great story to hear someone who might be more on the shy side, a bit more introverted, be able to, through their career, build that up. Um, as you said, it's probably a, a little bit of, you had a light bulb moment to know that yep, I, I like the networking side of it. Mm. I've got to take that step to actually do it. Um, and I think that's certainly the feedback from people internally to our firm, but also clients that it's that genuine connection and relationship that you mm. have. And obviously that's what you, you love mm. um, doing. And, and now you've moved away from the, the typical numbers and in the detail type work, it sounds like. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so let's just go a little bit further into, into your work life then. Mm -hmm. So I think this is where you've had an experience um, in your work career, particularly the, the earlier period, that is a little bit different to some others who may have been in um, larger accounting firms or professional services, stepping into a family office mm -hmm. environment, which I think now there's certainly a lot more employment opportunities in that. There's a lot more, um, the, the multifamily office is, is a mm -hmm. bigger, it seems like a bigger thing nowadays than maybe when you started. Um, what was that like? How many kind of grads did you start with? How big was that cohort? Yeah, um, so my journey was quite interesting because, yeah, I think I would say it was quite a new thing happening at the time. So I, I started as a business advisory accountant. I actually didn't come in as a grad in my first role because I actually did work experience in an accounting firm. Right. And that's why I laughed that maybe I am a typical <laughs> accountant. Launched straight in. So I uh, worked for a suburban accounting firm very early on. Um, juggled that at uni as well. So I worked as I did a, not know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Might have to change my opinion now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so when in sort of that business advisory role, that was quite popular sort of starting point, I think for most, I guess, grads, even though I wasn't technically a grad. 
But yeah, we, we at the firm I worked for, we had family office really a, a key topic and a key client base. And it was really evolving at that point in time. So th I, again, like I said, I think the client side really attracted me um, and the dealing with clients. So I think the transition there was really exciting and to be on that sort of new journey with the firm that was really trying to set a new, um, I guess, industry up. Yeah. Um, so I got yeah quite early exposure. And it was nice because even the clients weren't really sure what this all meant and they came on, on the journey with us. So we sort of grew the division and the client base naturally. Um, and that yeah, that was a really good learning experience as well. And there was no real, um, I guess, guidelines of how to do it. We were all just yep. finding our way. And I, I find that people with this kind of experience where things are a bit new or you work in a boutique firm that specializes in something, as you're coming through as a junior, you probably get more experiences and opportunity mm. to do things that you might not at a bigger firm where you might be straight into doing journal entries or you know um, doing a lot of the back-end work but not really being able to see what maybe some of the partners do or senior people mm. but when you're in a smaller team or it's it's starting up because it's a little more haphazard <laughs> I think you get a lot more more responsibility and that's what it, it sounds mm. like and probably put you on that path of yeah actually working with clients directly yeah. is what I really enjoy, exactly. that part of it. Um, now you stayed at, at your first firm for quite a while. I did. Um, and then may have gone to a direct competitor I did. <laughs> of, of, that, of that firm. <laughs> I know where this is going, <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, I, I think when you leave a place, you, you tend to like close the door on that part of your mm -hmm. life. And Melbourne is a very small place. Yes. So, so I, I have no doubt that when uh, these two firms merged mm -hmm. and you, in, in to an extent, went back yep. <laughs> um, into an environment where a lot of the people you'd, you'd left, and I'm sure you would have kept a lot of friendships, obviously mm -hmm. the person that you are. But what was your first thought? <laughs> what emotions did you yep. go through? Because I think that's, that's a hard thing. People will invariably over, over time <laughs> change jobs. But I think the idea of going back is is probably daunting, and yeah. no one wants to burn bridges. But um, you know, there are people that you may not have got on with, or whatever the reason was that you left. Yeah. So, how did you feel when that, <laughs> I guess, all <laughs> unfolded? Yep. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was with them for ten years, and look, I, yeah, I was quite young. It was my first, I call it, real proper professional job, even though I did have the gig small suburban practice and I learned a lot but you know this was in Melbourne the big city yep. you know I fa felt like I was starting my career so and you know it was a great firm 10 years learned a lot but I had made the decision and it was a huge decision and you know I didn't take it lightly and I am denied about it and really considered it and there was a it was an emotional roller coaster but I finally thought you know what no I do need to do this for my own professional and personal growth I need to spread my wings I need to to really challenge myself so you know after months and months of really giving it serious consideration I took the leap of faith I said yep I'm gonna do this so when the news hit that they were coming back together it, look I'm not gonna lie it was a huge blow and it was an emotional and I'm pretty sure my first reaction I did burst into tears but it was probably just, again, because it was the, the emotional side of it. The fact that I'd made this huge decision to do it. Absolutely. Thought yeah. it was, you know, 
gonna be the best decision for me and that was almost like you know someone some higher power just really didn't want this for me so it really sort of started playing on my mind you know maybe I've made the wrong choice like shouldn't have done it um, but you know once that all subsided and again I guess I'm the kind of person where I always like to think that there's a reason for everything so then I went into that sort of positive mindset and thought you know what I'm in a pretty unique situation I didn't burn any bridges and I, I never would I had a lot of respect for the people I worked with um, and I made it purely as a professional decision um, so oh, you know I was never going to leave on bad terms um, so I thought you know what Th this could be an opportunity there's no one else that is in my position right now someone that's come from both environments someone that's experienced both firms um, so I actually put my hand up and I formed part of what they called the the merger committee so I actually right. sat on a committee where we got to basically give our opinion on the two different, there was two sets of everything. Oh, no Two doubt. sets of systems, two sets of policies and procedures, you know, all, all this stuff that had to be brought together somehow. Yeah. And then, so I thought, you know, well, I'll take it as an opportunity to learn something different. So I joined the committee to try put my take on of how we can improve things and I thought also some of the things that I didn't particularly like when I left maybe I could help change it going forward um, so you know yeah I really tried to take a bit of a positive attitude to it and just give it a give it a shot um, well, and see I think how that's it a good goes. lesson because um, <laughs> I think with with every job that you have there are these moments where you can kind of just accept what's happened and go on in the background and keep yourself or you can take that step forward and uh, I have no doubt that both sides or both firms at that time or should be one when you're integrating would have seen you as being um, a key piece because you'd seen both sides mm. and so I think a, a lot of the time maybe people overthink a few things mm. and and I, I think look most people in business can get over all of these things and, and you work work through those, um, but you try and see the positives and definitely having seen experienced both firms, mm. I have no doubt that, <laughs> I hope that the people are up, up the top would have, would have seen that as being, yeah, well, we need Lucy for, for that kind of stuff because yeah. give us a, a real honest opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's probably a lesson. I know in my career, it's a bit the same where, where there's been times where, um, you can put your hand up to, to be involved in something and make a change and have that positive action and mm. good things normally come of it. Um, we can sit back and, yep. and maybe complain about it later, <laughs> which you obviously haven't done. No. And, I, and I think that's that, in my mind, is, is the bit where you're not the typical cool accountant because you will put your hand up and you will take that chance and it's a bit of a risk mm. um, and it's obviously turned out for the better. Um, in all of the firms then, all those two firms, were there many female leaders at all? No. So part of the first decision I made to leave, um, not only I, I, I didn't feel like there was career progression and I, I didn't see myself going much further than where I was, but there, yeah, there was also not a lot of um, female leaders that I could really see as mentors. Um, whereas in the second role, I actually did take it and I knew it was a competitor and I didn't take the decision lightly, but what actually 
convinced me to take on the role because I didn't actually go in thinking I would but I just wanted to you know they'd reached out so I thought you know what it can't hurt just to to see what this could be um, but part of the reason I took that role was because I was actually working for a female head of a division the CEO was a female um, and there was a lot of heads of other departments that were female and I thought for the first time I'm actually stepping into an organization where I really had some really good role models and mentors that I could really um, learn from yeah um, so yeah that w- was part of the reason I actually chose that other organization and then yeah unfortunately with the merger um, that changed again so um, yeah look it, it's I guess no secret that that females in in roles such as ours you know there's not a lot but I'm so grateful it, it is starting to really change and, and you know um, obviously now being a female partner as well I hope I can you know be that person for, for some of the younger ladies coming through the organization as well because I think it is important I think um, especially diversity you know of all types is so important because there's so many different opinions and perspectives and learnings that we have and I think females take things a little bit you know some of the experiences I've had from you know how I've approached things I think could be purely a female lens that I bring to it yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm I am starting to see a change and that's really good yeah oh and I totally agree there I think um having been a partner of two different firms where female representation at that partner table was low mm. and in our firm obviously we're, we're building that up now mm. um, with more people coming through there is a definite lens um, difference I think when you come to making decisions or having those discussions to make a decision um, people come at it from such, such different angles and it's not just the male female thing I think mm. your background and diversity and just your cultural background also adds to that absolutely yeah. um, even though I think potentially maybe quite a few like I said at the start this I think I've got the stereotypical view that a lot of immigrants have a similar story and um, your parents have kind of instilled a certain way of working that um, in you that that does kind of infiltrate the way you think mm. to an extent so but I think going forward uh, it's a big thing it it also um, not just retains staff but also attracts staff um, like you said that was a big part of the reason that you left in the first place so I guess knowing all of that, do you feel a sense of pressure or any extra expectation being one of still, I guess, few? Because when we're, it'll be a while until we get to this kind of 50-50 and really good mm. mix of, of leaders, um, which we obviously have. And I think this is across the whole accounting industry and not just accounting, just probably broadly that at that leadership level, it's obviously more male dominated. But you take a step down to your management and below often it's, it is a 50-50 type split across mm-hmm. um, certainly professional services industries. Do you feel any extra pressure <laughs> to have, as you've been promoted, has anyone come up and, and kind of spoken to you in a way that you feel like, yep, um, now I've, I've got to be a role model in a certain, to a certain degree? Uh, I wouldn't say extra. I feel like I've always carried that a little bit, you know, even being at a manager level or associate director level, like I've always like to have thought that I have been there to influence others and to to be that person that people look up to. Um, So yeah, if anything, I just hope that this promotion and now being partner just shows that anything is possible. 
Um, you know, I'm not going to change who I am and how I approach things going forward. It's, you know, I am who I am and I made it. So, I, you know, I hope we just continue and I hope I do have people that um, reach out and, and are happy to have a chat and whoever's listening today as well and all that sort of stuff. But no, I don't think I'm going to be any harder on myself or do anything different. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you should be. I think it almost, maybe this is coming from a male lens, feeling like when there's, when there's a minority coming through that a lot of people will look up to, that there's a bit more of pressure that comes, mm. comes with that. Um, and, and there really shouldn't be. Um, one, one thing that I think you do really well, um, one, I think you're, you're quite opinionated, but you, you don't keep that to yourself and we, we certainly need more of those opinions um, from the female gender coming through as well and, and reaching the decision makers and you, you're one of them now as well. Um, given your background, you, you kind of said a little bit introverted, a bit more of a teacher's pet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that you're able to influence people really, really well to, to, to see your opinion. How did you make that change or be able to, to do that where you felt confident enough to, to do that because I see you do that with the CEO with other partners <laughs> and oh, <laughs> I, I sometimes laugh at it because I, I can see how well you influence people oh wow okay I didn't yeah I don't know <laughs> um, I, I still think it's something that I need to work on because I, I am I do still do a lot of that internal battle with myself and there's so many more things I'd love to say but sometimes I stop myself um, but I guess I've learned especially throughout my career and in some of the experiences I'd had in previous roles, just simply doing and thinking you're doing enough sometimes isn't enough. So you, you can't just rely on your skills or your experience or the fact that you're just getting things done and the clients are happy. That That's one element of it. And, I, and I've learned that you, you do have to speak up. Unfortunately, you won't get anywhere if you just think things are being noticed. You actually have to, to put things out there. So I think from sort of feeling in certain points that I haven't quite done enough has been that sort of trigger to say, you know, you, if you want anything, you're just going to have to ask for it. Yep. Um, and then similarly with sort of that merger experience, you know, it, it could have easily gone pear-shaped, but I knew I had to be the one, I had to be in control. The whole merger was out of my control, I couldn't change it, but going in and saying, I do have an element of control here, so if I put my hand up and say something, or if I try get involved to try change the outcome, it's only gonna be a benefit for myself and hopefully others. So I think it's just all in experience that, yeah, you can't just sit back and expect an outcome. Yep. If, you, if you want something, you're gonna have to yeah, have a voice out. it have sounds a voice. like yeah yeah um and as sometimes it can be scary and sometimes you know you worry it, what reaction you'll get but i think if you believe in it and and you can see the greater good in it then it's worth speaking up absolutely no definitely um now i don't know that there are a, there's a huge Czech community as we said in melbourne <laughs> so do you get to use the czech language that often is it something that you've kept up with? Yes. Do you still have the vocabulary? I do. Although every time I go back to my hometown and I catch up with my extended family, they remind me that my accent is getting worse and worse <laughs> or my Australian is, is 
better and better. Yeah. Um, I do use it a lot. So we still, I still, my grandma lives here in Melbourne with us. During COVID, she actually became an Australian citizen. All right. Because she can't, um, you know, the whole flying back and yeah. forth isn't working. So at, at the age of 83, she's become an Australian citizen. Wow. Um, so she still, her English is still very limited. Um, so we speak Czech, her and I, um, and usually with my parents, but if my husband's with us or it's a family thing, then we'll speak English. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of Skyping with family, extended family or messaging. So my, my speaking and my writing, like it's okay. Um, it's not the best. And, and I think it has dropped off over the years. I would never be good in sort of a business sense overseas, I don't think, because I think their vocabulary is a bit different. But I would, you know, I'm still very happy to have maintained it. And we've got a few little traditions that we uphold just to keep that, you know, tradition alive a little bit. Yeah, that's really good. Because I think that's, language is such a, it's become such a big thing because we're so, so global. And yes, you know, a lot of countries speak English, but um, certainly we're finding that no, no different to when you first came here and there's mm. a little bit of a cultural connection, particularly for your parents, probably more so. Um, that's something that I think is, if people retain, that there's a little bit of home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> home there that, that never goes, goes astray and uh, even a couple of words here or there, I'm sure, make a big difference. Um, German, on the other hand, I'm presuming that's, oh, that's, that's gone. That's long gone, <laughs> that's long gone. Yeah, it's a shame. It would be nice to still have it, um, but no, we've, um, you know, we've travelled Europe a fair bit, my husband and I, and we've gone to German-speaking countries. And he'll always say, "Oh, can you understand what that person said?" I'm like, "No, sorry, don't, <laughs> don't get it at all." Um, whereas, you know, Czech, we're fine. So we pride ourselves that we can. We hire a car and we drive around. We can read a map and we can get around without, um, you know, struggling with any sort of language barrier. But as I said at the very beginning, I'm just so blown away at the change I've seen. Um, signs and and people running shops and speaking English sort of everywhere now to be honest so you don't have to be that scared yeah. if you don't speak the language that you'll struggle um, but no German's definitely gone so it's yeah just checking English now yeah and outside of work yeah what what kind of things do you do to keep yourself busy oh um really at the moment it's it's just a lot of tennis. So um, yeah, I play competition twice a week and a social comp as yep. well once a week. Are you the organizer of this? Yes, I'm the team <laughs> captain. How did you know? Um, I offered to do it the very first season and then everyone was blown away at my spreadsheet and the roster that I keep. And every time we get a you know new season start, I offer the gig to someone else and they're like, no, 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 you do such an amazing job. It's all on you. So I'm, yeah, team captain, organiser. Treasurer. Oh yeah, that too. So I got dobbed into joining the committee um, and now, yeah, I'm also the treasurer. So I also have to keep the Maybe you are one. the typical accountant. <laughs> I told you. I told you. There's a lot of Work things there. Work experience at an accounting firm, treasurer of a club. Yep. No, that's <laughs> spreadsheets. Great. That's Every, great. My life revolves around spreadsheets. <laughs> I, I think I set you up on that one. I already knew the answer. So. <laughs> um, no, that was great. I Again, I think you've had such an amazing experience 
coming to Australia. And I'm sure there are more, even more stories mm. from your parents' side, what they experienced, and because it would have been a huge decision to do that. And as you said, yeah. like a bit of the um, the the impact and the consequences on your your family and wider family mm. about your parents making that decision to, oh, to yeah. come here um, is it, huge. And again, it's not, you don't really appreciate these things until you become an adult and you, yeah, exactly. you yourself go, oh, well, actually, could I ever have made that decision you know, at this age? Oh, no. God, that would have been and a I, huge thing. That's funny you should say that. It's one thing, you know, my husband and I contemplated um, moving interstate a few years ago and I couldn't do it. And and I was like, why? It's just interstate. It's just a tiny little, you know, yeah. flight away. And it was so scary to me. And I think my parents did it, you know, in their 20s with a small child, complete opposite side of the world. And just how brave and how fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and I think what you've then been able to achieve in your adult life as well. I'm sure they look back and they would 100% do it again because of all the benefits that have mm. come out of it, particularly for you. I've so. actually asked that question and they have said that they would. Yeah. So there you go. Well, so, as I said, an amazing story. You Thank might not you. think it, but but it was Thank there. And, and I think um, all the listeners would appreciate hearing more about that. And um, Congratulations again. Thank you so much. And good luck with everything. I'm sure you're going to be fantastic. Thank you. You're well set up for the future. And thank you for having me. No worries at all. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back with another next week, hopefully. Um, and keep enjoying. Thanks, everyone.